Today's episode of the Andy Staples Show is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. we got a great show for you today. JT Daniels in the transfer portal. Remember, he started as a true freshman at USC after leaving high school a year early to enroll at USC. But Keaton Slovis came in after Daniels got hurt, and now Daniels is looking for another destination, though USC hopes he stays. We're bringing on Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network to talk about this situation. Yogi's very tapped into the quarterbacking community, especially out West. He knows all these guys. He knows all the players. And he has some really interesting insights about the JT Daniels situation and about what happens going forward with USC and with JT Daniels. Also, we talk about Justin Herbert. You know, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks in the draft. We know Joe Burrow is going to be number one. We think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the second quarterback off the board, but he might not be. It may be Justin Herbert. And Yogi's covered Justin Herbert for a long time, so he's got some really interesting stuff about him, too. Here is Yogi Roth. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We've got a lot going on in college football, even though there's not actually any college football going on. Big piece of news last week, USC quarterback JT Daniels entering the transfer portal, which is interesting because there's a potential change in the transfer rule that will be voted on in the next month or so. And there's a lot of kind of tentacles to this story. And the best person I could think of to, to break it all down is Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network. He, he understands quarterback play, especially out West, better than anybody. And wanted to talk to Yogi about JT Daniels, about Justin Herbert going into the NFL draft. There's, there's a lot of places we can go with Yogi. But first of all, Yogi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I'm pumped to talk to you because you talked to one of my favorite humans of all time, Dwayne Davis, on your podcast. I've known him, yes, Dwayne I've known him is for awesome. over a decade. And... And on top of that, like I got to call his one of his sons when they played at, at Cal. But my wife would tell you that a tradition now, since we were dating, prior to every season, we watch the program. I make her stay up. I make her watch it. She gets super frustrated because I say every single line in the movie. Like I, like I think everybody who grew up when we did can probably recite. So thank. I, I scared Wyatt Davis. Wyatt is the younger son who plays for Ohio State right now. I think I scared him at Fiesta Bowl Media Day because I came up and I said, I said, how many people when you were a little kid would just come up to your dad and go, kill everybody? He said it was a lot. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Razor Bear Claw Stinger, baby. I could, I, I, we watched it every Thursday night in high school. Every Thursday, the whole team would go to somebody's basement, and we would we, watch we actually watched it in the theater on a Thursday the night before a game. Um, that was that's how old I am. I had been pull, I'd been pulled up to varsity from JV, and so me and my little JV cronies who had no you know no agency with the team whatsoever begged the uh, undersized. You know, every team has that guy who's a senior who looks like he's a freshman. We begged that guy to drive us to the movie. And he did. Wow. Well, you're one of few that saw like the original before they pulled episodes. So 
pretty impressive. Yes, we we saw the the scene in the road, which Dwayne Davis and I had an interesting conversation about that because he's like, Alvin Mack would never do that. I'm like, totally, you are exactly right. And he's like, yeah, the director didn't believe me. Uh, that is awesome. It's awesome. Well, I love the work you're doing, and, and thanks for having me on. Well, and and by the way, you guys need to be listening to to the Yogi Roth podcast. How great is Ball? Available everywhere where you can get podcasts and Pac-12 perspectives. You guys just had Bill Walton on talking some football. <laughs> that was crazy, dude. You're in a Bill is amazing, as you know. Uh, just I, I think he's like a gem to all of sports, and I get half the people like hate when he's on, half love, but. Uh, he, he's iconic, like truly when, you know, we, we overuse that word. And this week it's going to be awesome, dude. We got Jared Goff going down draft night memory on Thursday, David Shaw Monday and a bunch of really cool people in between. And of course, covering the draft on the back end. So it's a new one, uh, two weeks old, but check it out. That, that is outstanding. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12 and, and QBs because the, the big news last week was that JT Daniels was entering the transfer portal. And the thing that struck me about this one was how everybody's being such a grown-up about it. You know, USC said, we support him. If he wants to come back, we support that. But we understand he might want to go somewhere else. We're going to help him any way we can. It's, it's almost like this doesn't have to be an adversarial relationship. Yeah, well, I can remember, and I'm sure you had the same conversation, when all of a sudden the portal thing came, came about. Uh, I would say 80-plus percent of the I talked to said, if a kid comes in and says, I'm going to the portal, go get him because you're not coming back. And now clearly that uh, is not the case here in the instance we're talking about. And we've seen it in another, right. And USC specifically. And, you know, I, I think for Clay Helton, like his approach and philosophy has always been to love kids harder, you know, when, when it gets into a difficult time, uh, you know, coach Carroll did that as well when he was at SC and does it in the league now. And, but sometimes it could be perceived as, well, you're not rigid enough, you're not stoic enough, you're not old ball coach enough, uh, but it seemed to work, right? Like you look at guys that have left there, Bayless Jones portal, came on back. They had a cornerback, I believe it was Greg Johnson, left, came on back. That Fink, left, came on back. Jack Sears, the door was open. And I think Clay gets it. You know, he gets like the pressure on these guys. And look at JT Daniels, right? Like, the third quarterback and the power five era to leave high school early, but the weight of the world was on him. I called his first game of his life. People, it was like kind of like Ron Paulus expectations when Lou Holtz came out. Four Heisman's Bino Cook yeah, said. That's right. Yeah, same, same stuff like that. So I just think that um, I think they did the right thing. Like, you know, you, you go to college to play and get your degree. And that's that's the truth, you know? And he looked at it and was like, I don't know if I'm going to play. There may be a new role that you reference where I can go one time transfer and not sit. Like, why would I go do that? And I thought Clay and them were really mature about if that rule gets passed, they totally get it. Well, the thing is, why chase off a quarterback who can play? If there's a chance he might come back. And we saw that with USC last year with Matt Fink. I mean, imagine if Matt Fink's not available to come into the, the, the Utah game. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I thought Matt Fain, I think it was Illinois committed to. There's a lot of other schools he was linked to. I talked to a bunch of coaches about him. Uh, I was surprised he came back uh, because I think he would have played other places, to be quite honest with you. But he came back because of what SC is. And I think a lot of these kids, and I go into locker rooms, as you know, and I'll talk to them about like their brand. And I, I always love asking the question, how many of you think you're a brand? They all raise their hands. Then I say, okay, let's spout out the best brands in the world. And 
the whole room. It's Apple, it's Nike, it's, um, you know, uh, whatever it's, it it's, it's all, it's beats. It's all the things that you would imagine they'd say. And then I always say, well, what's the one common thing no one said? And I don't know what I'm talking about. And I said, you didn't say a human being. You didn't say a name. You didn't say a person like you guys aren't, you think your brands because recruiting is out of control, but you're not like you're a human. You got a heart, you got a soul. Like let people see that part of you and let, let us remember that like this game is played by humans, not people that just put their armor on and armor on every Saturday and go out and, you know, play a sport that we've all grown to love. And, and I think that's, that's what's happening at least at SC with clay of like, Hey, I get it. Like this kid's human. He wants to go play. If it works, cool. If not, come back. And then I think a lot of kids that do come back realize that maybe the grass is greener and their degree can enhance their life if they're not going to go and win a Heisman. You know, throwing for, you know, 15 touchdowns and, you know, 10 picks at you know, a smaller school is nice if all you want to do is play, but it might get, not get you the job that a USC degree would. And I think that some kids recognize that. So with JT, it's a situation where Keaton Slovis – he probably kind of came out of nowhere in relief of JT after he got hurt. And I don't know that anybody expected Keaton Slovis to be that good that fast, but he certainly fits what they want to do on offense. Graham Harrell seems to like him a lot. It, it, it seems like that's just one of those, you've got two guys who can play, but you can only start one of them. I think it is. And I think you know, this isn't like, um, this isn't an unhealthy situation regarding, you know, this, this, the team or Clay or Graham, like, don't want one of those guys to be the starter. Like, last year, you know, Keaton Slovis, he, he balled out. I did their game. They were like, wow, this guy's impressive. And, and, and all of us there were like, wow, who is this guy, right? Same thing like everybody around the country said when he came in after, you know, the Fresno injury to, to JT Daniels. But the reality is that everybody was in on JT as the guy in this air raid system. He'll be the dude. He's going to go play for the next two, maybe three years. Like he was entrenched and the unthinkable happened after he got injured, which was, you know, Keaton obviously had the dynamic year that he had. So I don't, I don't think it's one of those scenarios where they're down on JT Daniels. I think it's just, look what Keaton did. Yes. JT could do the same things, but in a truncated training camp, which I think we would all agree is probably what we're going to have. Is there enough time for him to beat him out? I don't know. The, you know and there was no not. spring practice to have a, a protracted competition. You know who it reminds me a little of Yogi is Jacob Eason at Georgia, where you know he's the starter. He gets hurt the first game. Jake Fromm comes in, and you're crazy if you take Jake Fromm out after that. But Jacob Eason didn't become a bad quarterback in that situation. That just you know Jake Fromm was really good, and and I think you know Jacob had a little bit different situation in that Justin Fields was still coming in too, so he kind of had to make that decision, but you know, JT could go to a power five school right now and step in and start. And I'm sure there's quite a few schools that, that would be more than happy to have him. I mean, I, I think you look all around the country. I've heard from numerous coaches uh, in a variety of the power five conferences, you know, all the way on the East coast to the South to obviously the West coast about him uh, just because I, you know, I, I study and break down his tape and just have known the kids since high school. And, it's a hot commodity and look at it now. Like it's not triple isn't what it used to be in terms of you really need the time to come in and understand the system. Um, you can operate in a handful of plays and JT, you know, his biggest downfall in the air raid was he had to kind of dumb down his thought process. You know, the guy who grew up 
you know, he told us before his first game against UNLV two years ago, Ted Robinson and I were you know, doing a pregame interview and he said, uh, you know, I, I've been drawing plays since fourth grade. I've been playing mad and imagining defenses and calling out mics. And this is just what I do. And in the air raid, you know, the term that Mike Leach has used all the time is don't be a quote coverage scientist. And it's the same thing with Graham Harrell. You know, I, I can remember Graham telling me a story about you know, a training camp and JT trying to totally dissect the defense, anticipate rotation of the safeties. And, you know, he kind of uh, hesitated, you know, didn't make the right play. And there's Keaton who just was completing the ball on the outside. And Graham would say, Hey, Keaton, why'd you throw that pass? He goes, well, he was open. He couldn't tell you the coverage. He couldn't tell you the leverage. He couldn't tell you any of that. He just knew that the guy was open. And, well, that, and, and that's, that's what the air raid's about. I mean, you covered Leach for a long time. It's, it's rep it, rep it, rep it. So the quarterbacks and the receivers understand what each other's going to do. And you go find some open grass. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think for JT, he would have thrived in that system. He may thrive in that system, pending where he goes. Uh, but he's also been trained to be more pro style, you know, versus you know the opposite, which is what we're seeing with, you know, Anthony Gordon, for instance, right. coming into this year's draft. Well, like guys where they have to go and Jared Goff have to learn a totally different language other than college. It's not for JT. So he'll be able to adapt. Uh, and now I think the big thing for him is A, waiting on the rule, but then B, choosing place where the depth chart he it has to be ideal for him to come in and be able to win and the culture has to be strong for the head coach to be able to do that within 10 days have this new face come in if, if say it's 10 days or 15 days we got to name a starter and be able to handle that and the team have the maturity to be able to handle somebody like him to come in yeah i hadn't thought about the dynamics of that but you're right if this is a compressed training camp if uh, nicole auerbach from our place at the athletic wrote about it where she talked to the the person at the NCA who's in charge of all this stuff. And, and they said, you know, six weeks, maybe four, four to six weeks. And, you know, some of that is going to be acclimation and, and not football practice. So this is going to be fast. And, you know, I'm trying to think of guys who came in and just took over like that. I guess Vernon Adams probably was similar to that with Oregon where he had to, had to finish his degree and then get there, but you don't see it that often. No, I think it's, I think you have to be kind of special to be able to handle it. Cause I, I believe this to be true. Like uh, the it factor to me is the most overused uh, and undefinable phrase. So a couple of years ago, we went to the elite 11. We're like, we're going to define this phrase. And we interviewed from Russell Wilson to Pete Carroll to everybody in between about the it factor. And what we came up with was, was the following definition of when the guy walks into the room, you can feel his presence, but he makes everybody around him better. And JT is going to have to go do that, right? Like, just, just look at the scenarios. Like, we look at the Pac-12. Tyler Shuck, to me, is a dude, right? And in comes Anthony Brown. Tyler Shuck has that team, right? So how does Anthony Brown deal with those dynamics in a truncated training camp as a grad transfer? going to be interesting, right? Jamie Newman, going to be interesting. Like, you, you could look across the country, and there's scenarios where grad transfers have come in but haven't practiced yet with the team, yet the team, you know, per the Vernon Adams example that you referenced. So – you have to be able to come in and be focused on your craft, but also be focused on the fellas. And you know, Joe Burrow is a perfect example. Like you looked at the cohesion among that group last year, it elevated his play. Like you can't just come and be able to deal, right? You'll struggle. You know, look at Washington. You know, Jacob Eason was named the starter the weekend before the first game, and Jake Hayner was going to get some reps. He was frustrated, so he left. And then Jacob Eason is the dude, and they had to figure out what fit his strengths best. It took a while in my eyes. You could argue it didn't happen all year for the team to really 
offensively come together because they had spurts they played well, but didn't do it over the course of the season. So that, that to me is going to be uh, part of his decision of what is the culture like when I walk into this room and is it a veteran one that can handle a change like this? Speaking of the it factor, I want to talk about a quarterback who, who played in the Pac-12, a four-year starter in the Pac-12, and is going to be in the draft. He'll be picked Thursday night. We're not exactly sure where, but it'll it'll probably be somewhere in the top 10. Justin Herbert, you know, he's the guy, everybody assumes Joe Burrow is number one, and that, that makes sense. You don't know if it's going to be Herbert or Tua, but it, it kind of feels like the 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 vibe is if Tua were completely healthy, didn't have any durability questions that, that he'd be the next guy. But Herbert has every physical tool. The question with Justin Herbert is, does he have that it factor? Can he be that dude? You've spent a ton of time around him. What's his maturation been like? And is he ready for, for this spotlight where he is probably going to go to a team where he's going to be expected to jump in and be the starter right now? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And, you know, Tua, you know, I've, I've been in this about 20 years now, and Tua is as special as I've seen as, in terms of being able to walk into any scenario, right? This is a guy who doesn't curse, doesn't party, right? Like, very religious, but he can talk to somebody who's 180 degrees away from him and connect. And, and I think it's so special with what he is in that regard. Like, he's as good as I've seen in my career at being able to do that. Uh, but here I look at Justin Herbert as a guy who came back for his senior year to one, finish with the guys he came in with. Remember, they were four and eight when he came in. He, he came in after Vernon Adams. And he was with Dakota Prukop, another grad right. transfer who came in. I remember that training camp. And Andy, there was three guys I interviewed at the quarterback position in training camp. None of them were Justin Herbert. He ended up being, obviously, a <laughs> well, few weeks into that season. Right? Yeah, I mean, he, he was the, the last guy because didn't Scott Frost wanted them to offer McKenzie Milton. And then – but – Justin Herbert's right down the street. So they're like, no, we're going to take the guy from Eugene. And <laughs> turned out all right. Yeah, no, it turned out all right. And, and to me, the, the point of all that is that he came back to finish what he started because he's so proud of the group. But he also came back to really understand how to develop in the room as a quarterback. Right? This is a guy who would admit that he uh, isn't the most boisterous guy. Right? He's not going to come out and lead you out of the tunnel in his chest and you know, like he's in, uh, you know, varsity blues, right? Like your recent, he, he will not, podcast. he will not be Alvin Mack no, <laughs> or Joe Kane Mack or Joe Kane. Yeah. He, he's, he's not that guy. So he went back to work on it and Marcus Arroyo, we're going to bring him on the PAC 12 perspective podcast this week. He really went to work on developing those things, right. Of opening up, you know, gaining more confidence as a public speaker, all the things that he just worked on, but on the field, you just watch him play touchdown pass first guy on the celebrate was receiver is him first guy around the o-line is him you watch him in the huddle i've seen numerous practices he's got the fire that reminds you of brady right like a soft-spoken guy but isn't afraid to like get after it to me he has that and, and so much so i can remember this year i called the civil war and he addressed his team for the first time in his career think about that Right, four year starter. Four year starter. The first time was the last game of his last game senior year. Wow! But, but he felt he didn't need to. He felt his actions spoke loud enough, and that's who he is. But he also knew the timing was right to talk to his team, and he did it right. And, and that's him. Like he's not recluse, shy. Let me crawl in a cocoon. Like he's just like, dude, I don't need to show you how sweet I am on Instagram. 
Yeah. And he's opposite of all those kids that I referenced earlier when I get going to locker rooms. They're like, yeah, I'm a brand. He's like, I love the game and I can't wait to be a husband and a dad one day. You know, he's, he's about the right stuff. And he gets to me unfair criticism about his play when people don't look at the truth. So here's an example. Junior year, his numbers aren't great. He had 52 drops. 52 drops, yeah. right? 18 of them were on third downs. 18, 17 were explosive plays, six were touchdowns. So just think of half of those were completed, right? His numbers are bonkers and nobody's talking about, can he make every throw? Like I hear that every once in a while and I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Then we look at this year. Heading into the first game, I was at practice. I was at training camp like 10 days before the open against Auburn. And receivers are dropping like flies. Oh, yeah, they, they had everybody hurt against them out of the back. Yeah. Yeah, receivers. And then three weeks later, tight ends. And then receivers. And then three weeks later, like he was so steady this year having to deal with adversity. And, and I say that because like Jared Goff is a perfect example. Jared and um, Justin to me are very similar. Like they will step on your throat. They thrive in a shark tank. But they didn't come from dramatic adversity. Their adversity was within the game. Jared was 1-11 as a freshman. Justin was 4-8 and eight in his backyard. 52 drops as a junior. Three coaching changes. Like, that's his adversity. That's his hidden strength. That's his unique trait, let alone 6, 240, da 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 So I truly think he's a face of a franchise and has the, the, the it factor, the intangibles, clearly the tangible elements of the position, and most importantly, the, the passion for the craft that, that needs to be there to be in the league. It felt to me like they really turned him loose kind of in the Pac-12 championship and, and in the Rose Bowl, that you know, they'd, they'd been holding him back a little bit uh, in terms of letting him run and, and doing design runs for him. But once he, once he was completely turned loose, he looked like a different guy. Yeah, well, and they did it on purpose, right? I mean, you look at his injuries. Se- second year, it was Braxton Burmeister who came in. The season kind of went down, down the tubes to a certain degree. They wanted to protect their guy. And I remember doing all the content around that, that game with our network. And I was with Coach Aliotti and Nigel Burton, our other analysts. And we're like, man, if you don't play single high defense, look out. Like, they just got to run, run it a couple times. And they did it a little bit in the Civil War against the Beavers, the game previously that we called. And then he goes off in the title game. And you're right. His, you know, his confidence, I thought, was already at a really premium level. But, you know, you've been in this game long enough that, like, you start feeling a little bit like you're, you're like, look out. Like, yeah, I am that dynamic athlete who played multiple sports coming out of Sheldon High School and Eugene and, and he felt it. And then his chip developed, his confidence developed. And the way that he finished, people can say what they want about there wasn't a completion till however many minutes left in the second half after the first quarter. But when they needed a play, the dude delivered every time. So – I just think we try to poke holes and all the guys at the top all the time uh, in college football. And of course you're on the draft and that's fair and it's worthy because the investment is dramatic, but he doesn't have one character flaw. His game is pretty solid. He looks the part and he's serious about it. This guy's not going to get in trouble. So you look at the history of these quarterbacks that have been drafted and he's, I don't want to say safe in like a negative way, but like he's safe in like, yeah, major upside type of way. Well, let, let's spin forward a little bit in the Pac-12 because it feels like there's there's some young quarterbacks there that, that we should be excited about. Slovis, we already mentioned. But Jaden Daniels is another one I wanted to talk about because it felt like Arizona State was taking some big steps. I think beating Oregon was a huge step. Uh, they were so young on the offensive line, still pretty young on the defense, and obviously a true freshman starting quarterback. But how good can he be if he keeps developing? 
Well, I think right now he's the face of the conference. You know, think about it. Like so many quarterbacks have departed this year. So many running backs have departed. And it's known as an offensive league, obviously. You know, Visca, the Chenault, best player you could argue in the league, you know, overall skill set wise, he's gone too. So he, he's the dude. And Hermet is also that. Like you look at them and their schedule this year. This is a team that's got every opportunity to win double-digit games and, and maybe do something special. They've got a veteran defense. And I just finished breaking down every one of his uh, offensive snaps on critical downs and distances. You know, I, I do it with every returning quarterback in the offseason. And, and from him in Michigan State and then Washington State, you know, he won that game with his legs at the end. It was like a 20-some-yard scramble for a touchdown, I think. And then to the Oregon game, like, you just suck leaps and i just saw him before like covid19 shut down the world at the elite 11 camp and he looks like he should he's thicker in his lower body he's going to be stronger he's gonna be, you know he's gonna be better in the pocket and most importantly when you watch him andy this guy is fearless in the pocket a lot of quarterbacks retreat especially in this era because they're so used to playing in the gun especially if they're a dynamic athlete he doesn't if you really slow-mo him in the in the pocket every time he hits the top of his drop his movement is back vertical it's towards the line of screen. Maybe it's an inch. Maybe it's all the way climbing the pocket and make a throw or a check down. But his natural instincts are really special on that regard. And I think it's going to allow him to be a guy in this conference. And, and he'll have, you know, all buzz around him as the season gets going. Well, he's got one of my favorite people in college football protecting him, Ladarius Henderson, who got thrown in there as a 17-year-old against Bradley and I and all the best pass rushers in the league. So uh, I, I'm excited to see what they can do. That's that's one of those, you know, people bag on the Pac-12 and, and talk about, oh, you know, are, do they have a playoff team? I look at Oregon and all those offensive linemen who have been kind of waiting their turn and the massive talent upgrade they've made on defense. And then you look at Arizona State and you look at Jimmy Lake coming in at Washington, I think there should be some pretty good teams at the top of the league this year. Yeah, I'm with you. And then, like, the two sleeper teams that aren't going to get a lot of play, I think, are in the, in the Pac-12 North in Cal and Stanford. You know, Davis Mills, I think he's the best passer out of the group. Like, Keaton Slovis, Jaden Daniels, they're the, the face at that position in this conference. But Davis Mills is, is big. When he's healthy, like, let's remember this guy coming out. You watch him play. I, I called the Wazoo game on the road. Right? I think he threw for over 500 yards, which isn't saying a ton because the defense was obviously on the struggle bus last year, but he can just deal. And he's healthy now. The way they've recruited uh, all the freshman O-linemen they played, they're going to they're gonna surprise people. They'll be like Utah, kind of sleepier-ish, you know, like Utah kind of always does in the Pac-12 South, even the really talented. Even though we know they're really good every year now. <laughs> we every just forget. year, right? Like, yeah, like uh, we just need to remind Paul Feinbaum so he can not sound like an absolute clown on television when he says that people don't want to see Utah. So I'll be I'll be sure to help on that one if he wants. Uh, but and then at Cal too, with Chase Garber's coming back, three year starter. Well, that's what uh, Cal just needed to find the quarterback, and once they did, it seemed because the defense was there. They they just they needed to find that guy, and once Garber's kind of announced himself, you could tell. Okay, now we can start moving forward. Yeah, he was he was one of those guys where you you. I've known him since high school, but never really was like, yes, he's a dude. Like he's kind of that quarterback that you're trying to replace to a certain degree. And you're right. He just took control right before he got hurt uh, in the Arizona state game. You, you watch the non-conference games. He's made big drives. You dub two in the morning, right? He made the one drive at yeah. the end of the game on a couple of critical throws. And then I called the Stanford game and that game, 
even though it didn't have the national appeal like it has in years past, it's still a huge game in the Bay Area. And he showed up and he won the game, right? I mean, he bottom line, put the team on the back, game-winning drive, and it was a wrap. And to the point earlier about Justin Herbert and confidence, it, it's, such, it's such a critical thing. Like, to me, to play the position, you have to, number one, love the game, two, be able to throw and make spot throws, but three, you must have confidence. And confidence is only generated from within, like, the real stuff. And, and he's got it. And now he's got better weapons on offense. He's got a running back that nobody really talks about, but really talented back there. Their old line played a bunch of young guys last year. They got hurt, similar to Stanford. And then defensively, they might have the best defensive player in the conference in Coin Dang, right, at linebacker. I mean, he is a really talented, I think a next-level rangy backer. Uh, he came out of uh, Last Chance U, whatever school that was, uh, a couple years ago to, to Cal and, and burst on the scene last season next to Evan Weaver and you should be counting on to be the, the bell cow for them defensively. Well, it's it's going to be very interesting once once they get played again. So, but once once we know when the season's going to happen and everything, you and I need to make a deal. So, we'll schedule a Zoom meeting so that we can watch the program together. And if our wives want to talk while we watch the program, they can do that. But we'll just be reciting all of you know uh, Darnell Jefferson tailback. Ray Griffin starting tailback. We we will just go through the whole movie. Oh, totally. That's why they recruited me. Oh my God, it is as good. I, I used to always say it when we were at Pitt. Um, I just kind of wanted somebody to say it to me, and he did when we ran out of the tunnel. But I wanted somebody to just grab me in the helmet and be like, "Is this big enough for you, baby?" Because uh, that's what I dreamt of college football. And when I ran out to my first game, I, I definitely had the the thought of, "Yeah, dude, this is everything that I dreamt it would be." At least nobody tried to spit in your mouth. That's that's all that really matters. Yeah, TBD. We had Dustin Vachotti who, like, I felt like he, we used to call him Latimer. If you remember Dustin, like, oh, yeah. all-time recruit. Um, he, he's, that's another podcast in and of itself, but yeah, good times. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the Dustin Vachotti, Owen Schmidt, Backyard Brawl podcast. <laughs> yes. that, that's the yeah. way to do it. Well, Yogi, it, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, it, everybody listen to the Yogi Ross Show, How Great Is Ball, and Pac-12 Perspectives. Thank you so much, Yogi. Anytime, man. Talk to you soon. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, well, now's your chance. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. You get 40% off your first year. Great stories. You got Bruce Feldman on a former NFL defensive lineman who can throw a ball 85 yards in the air and may have benched 225 74 times. Yes, I didn't make a mistake when I said that. 74 times. Also, our Chris Benini talked to Beef Ref, you know, the Big 12 ref with the giant guns. He looks like the guy who comes to the gym and starts warming up on the incline with 315. That guy, his name's Mike DeFee. Great interview with him from Chris Benini. This is the kind of stuff you get every week. There's not even college football going on right now, and you're getting great stories like this. Imagine what happens when the sport comes back. So get in early. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples, 40% off your first year. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. 